Well, here we are again uh, with another exciting, damn exciting, some might say, episode of this Pollinate podcast. Glad to have you all here and and really super excited and happy to have Jeff Quint here uh, from Cedar Ridge Distilleries, as the badge says. Uh, Jeff has been a comrade in arms and uh, fellow traveler of uh, county meetings and uh, (laughs) um, yes, well, Anyways, we are kindred spirits in a lot of ways. Uh, he has put us to shame in terms of the amount of reach and scope of their production. Um, I'll let him tell you all about what he does, but I'll just recognize right up front that he's uh, definitely one of the premier entrepreneurs of the area, and uh, we are indeed privileged to have you here. Um, so, Jeff, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do over there at sure. Cedar Ridge. Well, first of all, glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yes, Cedar Ridge, we're, uh, you know, we're a vineyards, we're a winery, we're a distillery. Um, and, and as you, we're much more. We're also a kitchen, we're a bar, a tasting bar, uh, um, an event center, and I think all part of kind of a grand scheme to, to get uh, traffic and visitors and fans built up. But uh, Cedar Ridge, yeah, we're located between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City, just off uh, I-380 at the Sw- uh, Swisher exit. And uh, we've been there, well, we've been there for a little over 10 years. Um, but uh, to, to the locals, uh, to um, people in pretty much mostly eastern Iowa, uh, you know, they think of us as the winery. And, you know, we want them to think of us as that uh, because locally we really want to get traffic into, into Cedar Ridge, get um, a lot of uh, people bringing in their friends from out of town, and you know, you slowly spread the word with your brand. It's a good way to build your brand while you're also, uh, you know, maybe making some money in the process, which is how we get these things going, right? But you know, outside of Eastern Iowa, um, we're, we're uh, you know, to the extent we are known, we're really only known for our whiskey. Um, we the only thing we're really trying to um, sell outside of eastern Iowa is um, the whiskey that we make. We're, uh, you know, an Iowa-based company. Uh, Iowa makes more corn than any state uh, in the country, and uh, we should we believe we should be a net exporter of uh, bourbon and, and good whiskey. So, you know, that's a project we took on 15 years ago and um, actually happy to uh, say maybe for, to the, for the first time uh, that uh, we just achieved uh, we're the number one selling bourbon in the state of Iowa as of the end of last month so um, you know, we've been shooting for that for years so uh, finally got there. But you've had a lot of other accolades I mean I think if I don't remember incorrectly, you're a distiller of the year, distillery yeah, of the year yeah. here, year or two back. And American Distilling Institute, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not uh, small chops there. And yeah, I mean. We it, were it, as surprised as you, Paul, because, <laughs> uh, you know, we didn't really apply for it. We just, yeah. they called one year and they said, hey, you're coming to the show, aren't you? I think it was in uh, New Orleans that year. And I said, yeah, we're coming. And uh and uh, Bill Owen says, well, make sure you come to the awards ceremony. And I'm like, Bill, I really don't like those awards ceremonies. And he goes, no, you want to be at this one. So, <laughs> so uh, that's when we kind of knew that we were going to get the uh, distillery of the year. So, Well, congratulations. Yeah, I, and well-deserved. I mean, the, the stuff, it just it, it drinks well. It's, uh, it, it's, you know, because there are local products that are respectable, and there are local products that are exceptional, and I think you're certainly qualified yeah, in the latter category. 
Um, so you've, you've got a, a winery. Tell us a little bit about your, your track to get there. You know, how did this all yeah. unfold for you? <clears throat> so it was 2002, and my wife and I were uh, avid wine enthusiasts. I was a home winemaker. We were watching what was developing. And, you know, Paul, you'll know this. Um, you know, these French-American hybrids uh, have only been developed in the last several decades, and they've basically enabled winemaking in the upper Midwest that really was pretty questionable before that. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a higher quality grape uh, to begin with, a better winemaking grape than we used to with these new French-American hybrids. You know, we realized it wasn't a fad. It wasn't just a cyclical trend. This was a permanent change. Uh, it was going to change the landscape, and we wanted in. Um, we, so we said, well, let's um, set ourselves up to be, no matter what else happens, no matter how many competitors come along, let's set ourselves up to be the anchor uh, winery between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City or for, to serve those two markets. So we found the property we did smack dab between the two cities on a hard surface road. And <clears throat> um, so we started developing the grounds and, you know, three years of vine growing before we have any uh, crop. And so we were in the middle of that, we were thinking, well, how are we going to differentiate ourselves when we do finally open? And you know, that's when it occurred to us, hell, uh, what's more natural than uh, grape growing would be, uh, get, let's get a distillery going. And at the time, there weren't any in Iowa. And so, you know, it took us 18 months to get licensed because even the state really hadn't processed anything like that for uh, at our level or our scope, you know, to to make it and serve it right right there. Uh, like was already starting to happen in some other states. So, you know, one thing just uh, turned into another. And, um, yeah, before long, we were all those things. We opened in 05 uh, with with uh, some white wines, some vodka, and some grappa. Mm. Those were our products. And, yeah, so because at that time, if I don't, if I remember correctly, there was quite a bit of, it was quite a convoluted process, right? If you wanted to do, to retail your own distilled products it just it couldn't happen or horrible couldn't couldn't yeah. this, the environment could have been, couldn't have been worse and the good thing is i didn't know what i didn't know you know otherwise <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't have done it but yeah. uh you get into this thing and you realize okay i got product now i can't even sell it uh to, to the consumer because iowa's laws hadn't been updated like some states had been you know so we spend years lobbying uh, down at the capitol every about once a week, all session long, I'd be down there. Uh, after two or three years, we finally got to the point where we could sell a bottle mm. of our own product. Because the first few years we were open, we rented space next to a liquor store. People oh, no. would come in, Ben's Beverage Depot uh -huh. in Cedar Rapids. Yeah. People would come in, sample our stuff, and then I'd walk them over to the liquor store and they'd buy it there. Well, oh, then when we moved out to um, our property where we're at, um, the law had just changed so that we could do that. Well, then later then we uh, also got the law changed so that we could serve a cocktail uh, on, the, on the property. So now we have, you know, we have a nice viable business there, but it took many years of uh, a lobbying to get things the way I think they needed to be for our industry to, yeah. to thrive. And you and I have also kind of touched bases quite a bit about the local government and yeah. trying to get them. It's not just impediments on the state level but also uh, obviously county for us it's mostly uh, we're we're outside city limits as our uh, you're we are we're outside you're outside yep, yep yep and you know the county at least uh on paper has good intentions and they want to support local businesses but 
as often happens, it seems there are competing interests in the in the county to uh, uh, to disallow some things that we would like to to happen. But uh, yeah, that's been a, an ongoing challenge, and and uh, maybe we'll uh, sometime over bourbon uh, have Sometime a chance to, maybe when the camera's not rolling when the camera's not rolling <laughs> we can talk more about the intricacies of working with that uh, suffice it to say that uh in a good year there's one step forward and one step back you know, with the county folks but uh we're learning to live with that as as well you have i'm sure um so you're you also brought food in the picture right i mean you're mm-hmm. you're doing events and and we realized food. early on uh you know, people will come out once or twice to taste your products and see what's new. But if you want to get them out there regularly, you got to, you know, my gosh, we got to get kitchen, make it bigger, make it bigger, yeah, make yeah, it bigger. Yeah. Uh, you know, music, make it better, make yeah, it better. Yeah, yeah. You know, just, and you're doing it too. Um, yeah, the the food, uh, anytime we're open, the kitchen's open. So anytime you, you come to Cedar Ridge, you can, you can eat. And of course, the wood-fired pizza is probably our most popular stuff, but... Um, that was part of the learning process for us is you gotta, you gotta keep them there, get them there and keep them there. And what we found is now the locals, when do they come out? They come out when they have friends or family in town. Hey, what are we going to do today? Well, among other things, let's stop by Cedar Ridge. Let's stop by Wilson's Orchard for sure. Um, so, you know, we have similar models in that respect and, and, uh, it's good to see good good to see it when it works right yeah and i mean mm-hmm. with the COVID thing you know the advantage that that our two businesses have is that we do offer outdoor based uh you know in a natural setting uh you know outdoor based activities that you can feel good about you know whether it's taking your kids out or, or extended family or friends that come in town or whatever um a lot of that isn't happening now but people getting cooped up at home uh, and feeling like, yeah, we need to do something, and uh, and and bring them out seems seems wise. So so our farm market business has done reasonably well this mm-hmm. year, as have most of them around the world. I'm sure you're you're seeing the same things. Yeah, the- yeah. So I'd say we're our retail, which includes our kitchen and stuff, is running about eighty percent of what it did last year, mm-hmm. and we'd been up every year. Mm-hmm. So you would have expected us to be up this year, but we're down maybe 20. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, we've adapted, and it's fine. Um, you know, we did have to adjust the way we serve tables now, so everybody gets table service. We weren't doing that before. Mm-hmm. And so we modified pricing a little bit to reflect that. And it's all, um, you know, we've adjusted to it, but, boy, I can't wait to get back. And... Frankly, I was hoping uh, this wasn't going to last uh, as long as it, it looks like it might. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, uh, and you got to be careful. You know, this over the winter, uh, we're still we're still going to be open. I yeah. mean, uh, and we're only going to be able to serve people inside. We have all the tables uh, at least six feet apart, and um, you know everybody serves with masks on, and we have sanitizer everywhere, and we're doing everything we can. But boy, you know, we can't just shut down. I mean, we got uh, a lot of people that depend on the place for for work and and, and we depend on them too right i mean That's we've right. been talking about this as well because uh you can't be in the business in in johnson county or almost anywhere and not recognize that keeping your your best help is your most important asset and uh you know 
if you shut down for two months or three months, are you going to be able to get those folks back? Or, you know, it, it's, uh, it's dicey. So, yeah, I, I think uh, the way we see it, uh, you know, your back's kind of against the wall. You, 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 you know business is going to slow down here. There's no question. We're going into, as we, as we talk today, it's uh, getting on, what, middle of October right now. Things are cooling off. Winter is not too far away and things will slow down. Uh, we look at, say, how can we keep people employed and uh, keep this thing rolling? It's not an easy task. It's not. No. And we're, we're with you. One thing we were fortunate um, to, um, to have going for us when the COVID uh, thing hit was we happened to have everything we needed to get in the sanitizer business. Mm. And so uh, we decided on a Thursday to get in the sanitizer business. This was in March of uh, 20. And uh, by the following Monday, we had, you know, we had product. Wow. By the end of Monday night. So, I mean, the making the product was easy. We had everything we needed. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the main ingredient being, of course, uh, alcohol, uh, which we make. So um, the, the really it was just the packaging and labeling and the FDA uh, approval, which luckily you know, you're pre-approved. It was an emergency. Mm -hmm. You're pre-approved if, uh, uh, if you make it in a certain manner. So we made it in the, the exact manner that we needed to make it. So, um, by, by that next week, we were handing out thousands of bottles of sanitizer to uh, cars. We'd mm -hmm. announce where we're going to be and cars would pull up and we'd hand them sanitizer. So we were giving it away in the four ounce bottles. And then we were selling the bigger, uh, quantities to, all the businesses, you know, anybody that everybody needed it and yeah. they needed it immediately. So there was about a six week period there where we were shut down, but we didn't have to let anybody stay home because um, they all got in the sanitizer business real quick there. So. so is that interesting enough to keep going with or nope. no, no, it's no. not interesting. enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we could never be, I think competitive long-term, or at least that wouldn't be anything we'd want to be. Now, I think we'll be almost entirely out of it. Um, by the end of 2020, it's, it's dried up. Mm -hmm. I mean, frankly, some of the nice gels and stuff that have been out there now, they're finally starting to keep it in stock better. Mm. And so um, the stuff, you know, that we, we made um, has less demand. Yeah, right. so it's perfect. So I'm going to wind you back a little bit because one of the things that I found interesting about your story is that it, there's actually connections between your family and you guys have some connections to, mm -hmm. to farms and, and corn that's grown. Walk us yeah. through that well, you did some homework. Um, so my wife and I are both from Winthrop, Iowa, and we both grew up in farm families. I grew up on a farm. She grew up in town, but they, they were farmers, um, and we had livestock. Uh, they had some livestock. But, so, you know, we both grew up um, in an agricultural setting and uh, love it. Uh, and frankly, we're, we're going to live here the rest of our lives. We're not moving, we're not moving south or anything mm. like that. We, we like it here. Um, and my last name is Quint, and um, my great-grandfather moved uh, to uh, Iowa from Vintage, Germany mm. in 1881. Um, and uh, if you go to Vintage, Germany today, it's in the uh, heart of the Mosul wine region. It's on the Mosul River. 
and um, the prominent winery in Vintage is still Weingut Quint. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I can go back nine generations. That's as far back as we're able to find records. And our family's been in the business um, as far back as we can go. So, you know, I didn't know as much about that uh, as when I got started as I do now because over time I've put more and more pieces together. But, you know, I, f- I feel honestly like it's like it's in my blood. Huh. And it could be because of the way I grew up. I mean, if you come to Cedar Ridge, my dad's old still that he used strictly for medicinal purposes uh, is uh, on display there and uh, the old apple press. And I can remember, you know, uh, we had uh, six or seven apple trees and mm. I'd have to scoop all those apples up and we'd run them through the press and make apple wine. And then uh, um, legend has it maybe uh, pass some of that through the some still. Of it escaped and, into yeah, the still that's did right, it that's right yeah 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 and so uh so i i mean maybe that was it but i feel like i'm pretty connected to it so it feels right for us well the other thing that's interesting is the connection with today's row cropping and you mentioned this at the beginning is you know i was the number one producer of corn um so much of that corn gets run through animals uh that may want it or may not want it but i mean you know a lot of it runs through pigs and and uh and increasingly through other critters that may not be so well positioned uh, to handle corn. But very little of it actually goes into bourbon or mm-hmm. any other. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of value added, you know, whether it's corn syrup or whatever. Corn gets yep. used for a zillion different things. But I find it really incredibly refreshing that you're doing something with it directly, taking it into a really high-end product, which is, I think, the ultimate the ultimate use for corn in my mind. I appreciate that. That's a bad thing. Well, so, so along those lines, um, you know, we sell $4 worth of corn to Kentucky and we buy back $40 worth of bourbon, right? Mm, Yeah. Uh, Why don't we just keep that extra 36 bucks right here in the state? Let's keep that circulating here in Iowa. And, you know, we love that no matter what happens, no matter who owns Cedar Ridge someday, you know, um, we're very proud of the legacy uh, that we have, you know, being one of the pioneers in the business. And, um, and um, you know, I just hope over, over decades that uh, we, you know, we get respect. Um, obviously, we have it here in the state now as we've, mm-hmm. we're out selling Jim Beam and Maker's Mark uh, in, the, in the bourbon category here in Iowa. Um, but, uh, you know, we'd like to introduce it to more and more states over time, and maybe someday we'll be in a net exporter of bourbon. When I got started, we imported 100% of it, you know, hmm. from out of state. Yeah, it's a fantastic, and, and as you mentioned, that, that, this, that local economic impact of taking corn, it's grown in Iowa, converting it into a high-end product, and that money then staying in Iowa. I mean, the, the inverse of that is so ubiquitous in this corn culture, isn't it? Where these guys kill, you know, they, they literally work themselves to the bone and are yep. highly leveraged with very expensive equipment, producing $4 a bushel corn and all of the profits from the, you know, because it doesn't become a $4 a bushel product anymore. It, it gets converted into $20, $30, $40 a bushel products, which are that money is exported to Minneapolis or increasingly China or Argentina or, you know, so many other places around the world that, uh, there's a particular vodka, uh, that's, uh, available here in Iowa. 
that comes out of Texas. And mm. we Iowans are sending a million dollars a month to Texas <laughs> yeah. for vodka. You know, when the raw materials are right here. So, you know, I don't know if I'll ever try to tackle that project, but uh, maybe you can have that one, Paul. Why don't you why don't you try to fight back some of the Texas vodka that's coming into the state? And, uh, and that, you know, that Iowa money's leaving leaving for Texas every month. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, well, it's a different economy, isn't it? Because uh, I, I, uh, people that, that have the unfortunate experience of having to deal with me on a regular basis know that I... I, I'm a big fan of these old horticultural journals that, that uh, are they're, they're sort of masterpieces um, from the 1800s and early 1900s. And they chronicle, you know, Iowa as a, as a producer of a bunch of different horticultural crops. You know, I mean, it wasn't just apples. We were number six in apples, but we were, we were among the top ten in strawberries, in, uh, in cherries, in so many horticultural... We were six in wine production. Oh, is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. in the early 1900s, yep. Yeah, and, and so that money stirred around the local economy and around and around, and now we export all this corn and we import all these products, and it's really, you know, with the soils that we have, yeah, there's, there's, we didn't have the white, right wine grapes forever. Um, we don't necessarily, it, it, it's going to take a little drilling down to get even to the right apple varieties because uh, mm-hmm. not all apples do well here like they do in Michigan where I was from. But that's not hard to drill in. You know, it's not hard to figure that out. And uh, if we want a really viable local economy, uh, we need to uh, consumers in particular need to be need to be buying things like Cedar Ridge uh, uh, products that are taking locally made locally produced uh, crops and turning them into a product that people can take and and I think one of the really encouraging things is the fact that we are seeing a lot of people starting to mm-hmm. recognize the importance of doing that locally from an economic standpoint as much as a, just a sort of moral. And we were, you know, earlier we were talking about the county. The county we're in is, um, I think, pretty pretty open to supporting uh, that kind of a thing. So we do have that going for us, I think. You know, we just got to make quality products. We got to make it compelling. We got to uh, give them uh, interesting things to do that make them want to come back and come out here. So uh, as long as we do those things, uh, we should keep heading the right direction with us. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I think my own thoughts on the county are, are a little are a little uh, fuzzy just because uh, I think, you know, at the end of the day, a city like Iowa City or Cedar Rapids will give tax abatements and all other sorts of incentives to bring companies in that still export a tremendous amount of the profits out. Okay, they hire people. Yep, fair enough. That's that's a good thing. We need employment. Um, But I think there's not enough consideration Mm -hmm. in my mind given to the fact that in addition to hiring people our businesses also circulate money locally um, circulate profits locally and you just said i think one of the most important things which is you intend to stay here i mean we love iowa too we love this place and we'll be here you know they'll bury us here and that means any profits that we get lucky enough to make are going to stay here and swirl around and i think that's something that is not thought enough about in yeah. the in the echelons of government here yeah. yeah yeah that's right you never see you never see uh money like that being issued for a business like we're no. in yeah no i mean it, it's really not uh there was a thing up in woodbury 
County up in uh, northwestern Iowa that I found really interesting. Um, and they actually had this guy who was eventually run out of office for something. I don't remember what, but uh, he came up with this idea. And Woodbury County for a while granted incentives to any business that bought locally produced food. So if a school wanted to buy locally produced food, the county would give a subsidy for that locally produced food. And I thought that is just Mm -hmm. brilliant. It it really is smart. But that takes some guts. Mm -hmm. Um, Not a lot of people willing to to say we're going to do that, and uh, especially in today's world. Well, and you got you got economic development uh, groups, yeah. you know, uh, hired to bring in business. Well, they don't have their targets on businesses like ours. That's right. Uh, you know, so they're trying to bring in the the corporate, you know, the five story buildings and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so I I can see why it's the way it is, but I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So what do you see? Mm-hmm. Uh, down the road, what's what's Cedar Ridge? Uh, you know, where where do you envision? You've got kids in the business for one yep, thing. We should yep, talk a little yep, bit about that. Yep. You got four kids. We four just four kids. Uh, my my oldest son, uh, our oldest son, is um, uh, our head distiller. Mm-hmm. So uh, I still uh, I still remind him I'm the master distiller. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, he's uh, simply the head distiller at this point. But uh, uh, yeah, he knows more about it than I do at this point. But um, so I think, you know, I think he's probably long-term in the business, um, but I doubt any of the others are going to get involved. Um, yes. Yeah, so what's going to happen down the road? I think no matter what happens, you know, my wife and I are always going to be proud of what, what we got started here. Um, I could see a scenario where uh, we keep this thing going and we keep it family-owned. Um, and I could also see a scenario where if the thing wants to grow faster than we're comfortable growing it, that I'd have to bring in, you know, somebody who wants to take the next level of risk. Mm, yeah. Okay. I've risked everything I can think of maybe like three times, you know, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? When, I when, exactly when you start you and then, okay, now I'm going to build all the bill. How yeah. come this building's not any bigger? Well, yeah. it's all the building I could build with the yeah. money I had at the time. So we've like, we feel like we've risked everything about three times. Mm. Now things are going pretty well for us. There'll come a day where we're going to need, you know, we're going to outgrow if we keep growing, we're going to outgrow everything we have. And we're going to have to like just move everything, you know, and that's going to be a big, big risky project. I doubt that my wife and I are going to take that one on at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we either have to decide if we're going to level off or, you know, maybe give up some portion of the thing to let it go where it wants to go. And my heart's like the businesses, I said I have four kids. This business of mine, Cedar Ridge, it's it's like a fifth child. Yeah. If the thing wants to take off, honestly... I think I'd be doing it a disservice if we held it back. So I can see, actually, we've had some discussions about, hey, what's this thing look like, um, you know, five, ten years out? Because, Paul, people don't realize this, or they don't think of it, there'd be no reason why they would until you're in the middle of it. In the whiskey business, you know, we have people working around the clock. We run 24 hours a day making whiskey, for 2024 and 2025 mm. right now. Mm. You know, so we we spend a lot of time thinking about five years from now. Well, 
if you keep growing, you know, if this year, if we're going to sell 30,000 cases of whiskey, well, what are we going to sell four or five years from now? Well, we're going to sell, you know, 75,000 cases of whiskey. Well, then you better make that, right? Mm. And so you got to stay way ahead of this thing. Wow. Because, yeah, you know, at some point it's sure. too late. Oh, no, we, we out kicked our coverage here. Mm. Uh, we either have to sell younger whiskey now or we have to cut back how much we sell. You know, because it's like an accordion. The, if you outsell your production, you, it gets younger, mm. doesn't taste as good. You don't outsell it anymore, and it kind of go, it finds its own you know level there. Um, and so that that's one thing that's been very interesting about our business. But you know, I think Cedar Ridge, uh, if uh, if the growth comes fairly easily, we're gonna keep keep going with it. So. For years, it's been our goal has been to get to number one in the bourbon category in Iowa. We just got there. Um, I think we can stay there. Um, and now, really, our our focus, our spend, is on the contiguous states around Iowa, mm-hmm. trying to build a regional brand. Honestly, we ship some stuff. We ship stuff all over. We ship stuff to Europe, to Australia, to Japan, uh, East West Coast. Um, but you know, it's more like if they want it. We'll, we sell it. Mm. We're not out there You're spending money sure. in the market, really. Um, wh- where we're investing in the brand is is in, in the Midwest here. Yeah. Right. So how do you, I mean, I guess I hadn't really thought that through very well, but it, it really is true. Your mind is focused on the future in ways that I can't even imagine. So as you look down that five years from now, I mean, a lot depends on, to me, one of the central questions is how sustainable is it that people are going to continue to be interested in craft beer, craft cider, craft distilled whiskeys? Um, and, you know, I mean, you've got a big bet in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, own own your backyard. Uh, hopefully, hopefully in Iowa, you know, Cedar Ridge isn't really thought of so much just craft anymore, mm-hmm. but it's the whiskey you buy. Mm-hmm. Um and we do make we make a whiskey that I think is so approachable that it's your everyday whiskey. As long as it's affordable, um, it can be your everyday whiskey. You know, there's plenty of fantastic whiskeys out there that I have on my bar. In fact, in fact, we're having a company outing this weekend, and we we bought a whole bunch of uh, fun different whiskeys. But they're not the whiskeys you drink every day. Mm. Um, we we've always built Cedar Ridge to be the whiskey. That you can that you want to drink every day. It's your go-to whiskey. Now, do you want a Blanton's or do you want a Basil Hayden once in a while? Of course, and everybody likes their variety. But uh, on that night when you're not thinking and you're just going to make yourself a cocktail, you're you're not thinking. You're watching the news. You we want you grabbing the Cedar Ridge bottle. And so that's so that's what we think. So so we it's important to us first and foremost always to stay completely relevant in Iowa and then get what we can outside of there. And we think the easiest place to go next is just, you know, Minneapolis, Chicago, Madison, Milwaukee, Mm. St. Louis, Kansas Kansas City, City, Omaha. Really, that's where we're going next. And, you know, when I say next, we've been in those markets for some of them for a few years now, but we're really working the growth in those markets. Mm. And... How do you see, I mean, do you see further developments in the, in the alcohol licensing and stuff like that? I mean, are, are there still, still battles you want to fight in that realm? Not really, not really. Um, 
I think we've got things to the point where we just play a little more defense now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just don't want anybody to take any away these things. We're kind of on a level playing field with the states around us and across the country now. It took us a while to get there, but we're kind of there. So I think, you know, we stay in touch with what's going on more just so we we never get surprised by anything. But we're not actively seeking anything more at, at the moment. Yeah. Well, Jeff, it's just been a real privilege and a, a great opportunity to get to know you a little better and uh, get get to hear what's going on. You got any, uh, tell people how they'd find out more about Cedar Ridge if they're. Sure. Uh, well, uh, they should go to cedarridgewhiskey.com and uh, look us up on the website. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, doesn't take long to find us. Just type us in Cedar Ridge Whiskey. And then get your butt out there to Swisher, Iowa. And, and I mean, it's a, it's a stunning view. It's a great uh, space, uh, good food, good people. It's, it's just a really good time. So that's the best thing. Uh, Hopefully just as nice as it is here at Wilson Orchard. We, uh, we love it here as well. Yeah. So how come we don't get together and talk more, more often? You know, like well, this? I don't know. We need to do that. Yeah. We gotta, Too busy, right? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a curse. But maybe with all these kids in the business now, things will right. get, get better. Well, and thanks to you guys for for watching us uh, or listening to us or whatever the hell you do with these podcasts. Uh, This is uh, uh, Pollinate uh, at Studio B here at Wilson's. And uh, come back, see us again. Tune in. We'll keep bringing these things out at you. And uh, let us know if you see anything you you really despise or even better yet, if you see anything that that you mildly like. Uh, Let us know. And let us, any ideas you have, we're we're interested. Thanks for your time. Cheers.